Hello, and welcome to AMO Kenzuku, episode 29. We are a group of four bubblegum crisis boomer otaku who come together and discuss things related to anime, manga, and other otaku topics that are of interest to us. We are recording this episode on March 16th, 2023. The Kenzoku are Mike. Hey, y'all. Dylan. Hello. Sam. Hello. And I am the host tonight, Nick. The topic for today's episode is uh, the Captain Harlock movie Arcadia of My Youth, which we opted to do in honor of the late, great Leiji Matsumoto, who passed away uh, February 13th of 2023. Um, this is, I don't think this is much of a stretch to say that he is a pretty monumentally kind of, what's the word, iconic figure in the manga and anime industry. I feel like he was one of the very first massive names that's you know that came up in the probably what the late would you say the late 60s early 70s mike would that sound about right yeah i mean he had made a name for himself before that but then he kind of threw away that name and took the name leiji in the late 60s and made a new name for himself putting his shoujo manga past behind him <laughs> that is actually a I was completely unaware of. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually that's news to me. <laughs> what? Explain. Yeah, maybe yeah. elaborate on that. Well, I don't know all of the details, but yeah, he started doing manga in the fifties when he was pretty young, and actually got at least a little, you know, acknowledgement and assistance from Tezuka, though I. Again, really need to do more reading for how, what, if any, connection they really had. But he was one generation, you know, after Tezuka and the other very early post-war manga pioneers, but he still mm -hmm. got in fairly early. Yeah, now I'm just taking a look at his career page. So originally he went by his real name, given name, which was Akira Matsumoto. So I guess yep. he just changed his... Uh... His first name. But, and yeah, it looks like he was heavily inspired by Tezuka, which, I mean, let's be real, quite literally, all <laughs> mangaka were, right? They call, yeah. him God, they call him God for a reason. So, um, But yeah, he, he, I, I would say Matsumoto had an incredibly iconic style that anybody who's watched anime, you know, in the last, well, I guess quite a long time now, but maybe back 30 years ago, would, it, it was impossible to miss. His style's mm -hmm. characters, I would say, had a by today's standards, a kind of a very like be like shojo look to them, like kind of very elongated bodies and limbs. Oh yeah, um, mm -hmm. very long, wavy hair. Um, you know, what I would say softer features than what you would typically see in especially shonen um, character designing these days. And his storytelling is definitely a more on the romanticized storytelling. Very melodramatic, I would right. say. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like, I mean, I would say that a lot of his, uh, I mean, I feel like the vast majority of his incredibly popular stuff is, you know, the sci-fi, but it's all very space opera-y, I feel. Yeah. And not in a derogatory way, just in the way it's kind of, you know, paced and, yeah. and uh, set up and how the characters, you know, are very melodramatic. <laughs> Draws a lot of inspiration from westerns and samurai movies, and mm, I can definitely see that, especially with uh, with the titular character Harlock, uh, an incredibly uh, romanticized hero in 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 Japanese ethos. I feel <laughs> has a lot of um, a, a lot of similarities to the to the you know the. Uh, like the 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 older heroes of like the you know the samurai era it's for sure I see a lot of um um those traits in him and so going back to the the uh, movie which is 
Arcadia of My Youth, which came out uh, July of 1982. And my understanding is that this is kind of not like not really a retelling, but kind of an alternate continuity to the Harlock saga. Is that correct, Mike? Am I kind of understanding that correctly? I'd, yeah, I'd call it alternate continuity or another interpretation. Um another version of the Harlock mythology. I mean, it's kind of weird trying to explain Lagiverse stuff. I think there have been attempts to wrap it all into some sort of coherent continuity, but you just can't because certain characters die, like, different ways in different properties, and other things are clearly happening either at the same time or differently, so my response has always pretty much been to just throw up my hands and acknowledge the characters as, like, archetypes that are being played with rather than trying to figure out how it all fits together. So I had actually wondered about that when watching this. It gave me the feeling that it was kind of wrapping up or a kind of send-off. Um, but then, I yeah, I saw these characters that seemed like they were newly introduced, like um, Toshiro, but, like, I thought he already existed in Harlock, so it was weird for him to be meeting him what seemed like for the first time. So are you just saying that like this is almost like a reboot or something? Yeah, more or less. Like it went along with the Arcadia of My Youth Endless Orbit SSX TV series that came I want to say shortly after it, but same year about 6 months later, I think. Yeah, unfortunately that had to compete with you know, a lot of groundbreaking shows like Urusei Yatsura and Macross and Gundam Enthusiasm and a whole bunch of things, so it really wasn't the right show at the right time, even though it's very watchable. It's a really good show. It took me too long to actually watch it, but when I did, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and going like spinning off of that, one thing I can definitely say is I, I, I truly did enjoy this movie. Um, I've never watched it before. Truthfully, I was you know, Dylan and I were chatting a bit before recording, and my, my experience with, with Harlock, even just Leiji Matsumoto stuff in general, is really scattered. Like, I've seen random episodes of what either could have been Harlock TV or what could have been, um, what was it, Galaxy Express 999, because that's the, the Queen Amoreldis, um series, I believe, right, Mike? And Well, there was also... Uh, I want to say a Queen Millennia series that I haven't really seen eps of, but that along with Harlock TV got like uh, Harmony Golded together into uh, two series into one thing called like Captain Harlock and the Queen of a Thousand Years over here or something like that oh, in the 80s. But I haven't actually seen any of the Queen Millennia stuff, which is a real gap in my verse knowledge. Gotcha. And so, again, going back with to Arcadia, you know, this was kind of the first time I really sat down in my adult life and, you know, really tried to focus on watch anything. And I gotta say, the first, the thing that really drew me in initially was the, the opening scene with uh, whatever generation Harlock it is. Well, I would assume, was, is he the first? Was he the first oh, Harlock? Yeah. Like, I actually don't know. Probably <laughs> not. Pretty, even the first, but at least one yeah. of the first to be a pilot, year. for sure. Sure, because this is pre-World War Two. Yeah, and... Phantom F. Harlock, who... Right. Mm-hmm. What, a, what, a, what a name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently a very famous stage actor who did that role, and this was like his only anime voice credit. That, you know, I was going to ask that, because just... The way it was monologued, like the, it didn't sound like. I mean, it sounded honestly revolutionary in a voice acting sense because it was almost like it was being, it was recorded for, uh, 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 radio, not not television. Just the kind of the the way his intonation was. I mean, it was. I was really riveted by that opening scene of you know him. You know, th- this it's an internal battle, right? It's him battling really against a mountain, which you know was mm-hmm. given this. Per- personality of this cackling witch and you know it turns this otherwise what could have been mundane scene into you know a, a life or death battle and i i was i was really enamored by that opening scene 
Um, as and that really set the pace for me. I oh, I heard a sigh, so I think Sam disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I mean, briefly, I if I were to put this in terms of entertainment between somewhere between like uh, birth and Ava, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a wide gap you're offering <laughs> yeah. there, by the way. <laughs> like a really know. really wide gap. I'd give it a I don't know like a. Five, it was like I was entertained enough to like uh, keep watching it, but also I did cut it a lot of slack in terms of its age, and there were parts that I I didn't really I didn't really like. Like I didn't the Phantom F Harlock thing was interesting. Uh, I like I kind of felt the same way, but then like as it kept going on, um, I had memorized his name because he told me so many times, and then I was like. <laughs> why i mean this series is so much like about macho romance kind of um thing like roman for sure like for sure for sure then i was like why are you doing this you're like gonna maybe kill yourself just to go over this mountain just because i mean (laughs) i get it but at the same time it's like so melodramatic about what is like a thing he is just deciding to do instead of like a thing he has to do but i don't know it was it was interesting but for for me it's when you describe the scene like that you scoff at her like that's ridiculous but again for me i think came down to i just something something about the i think the voice actor is what did it for me it was so different like Mm -hmm. and i do agree i think i'm giving it a lot of slack because i had really not high expectations let's just say for this and i was pleasantly surprised it didn't feel as long as the two hour and 10 minute runtime ish it was like it's it was considerably longer than a lot of the stuff we watched and truthfully it didn't really feel that way to me um i was kind of wondering how they're going to fill the back half because i feel like the first half give or take leads up to him uh getting the arcadia and going to the, I feel bad, I forget the name of the planet of... Uh, uh, Tarkagas? Yeah. And that was about an hour in, and I was thinking to myself, how are they going to fill in the back half? Yeah, I, I was having the uh, I was having the same thought there, because I was watching it, and I was like, I think I, I had to take a break or something, and I got to that part, and I was like, I was like, oh, got to be almost over. And I was like, oh, we're like 40 minutes into the movie. I was like, oh, what? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, was like, that was right. surprising to me. And I was thinking to myself, I, I was having kind of, you know, PTSD. I'm like, oh no, is this going to birth me? Is this going to be like a really horrible back half? And <laughs> it was not, I wouldn't say weaker. It was different in the back half. Uh, there were some things that made made literally audibly WTF, um, like the part where they're crossing the big solar chasm <laughs> thing. And because it's, well, I couldn't really. It well, it draws in people's souls or something like that, or or, or yes. it needs like a sacrifice or something. And so, the the newly acquired crew that well, air quotes crew that Harlock had all jettisoned themselves to, <laughs> to save him yeah. because I guess they realized their species is extinct anyway. So that was interesting. Um, a lot of downers in this movie, for sure. A yeah. whole lot of really, really sad stuff happens. And not just for the sake of it, but, you know, it, there there weren't that many wins, for sure. There was a lot of... Well, uh, some of it felt like it was kind of for the sake of it. Like, did you really need that to be, like, the last Tokargan w- female, right? Like, Yeah. Like, a lot of that stuff felt like it's going a little bit too ham. But I, I, mean, I, I, don't, I agree. Yeah, the part with the sister, well, how the, I, I, how among how, let's just say millions of Tokarians, the little sister was the last one to air quote survive. Seems a little bit, far-fetched. yeah, yeah. But I, I do agree that it was, you know, it was sad, a lot, real sad for sure. Yeah, and that was that was unexpected. Um, I didn't think I'd have those sorts of feelings. Uh, during watching anything Harlock related, not not gonna lie, I feel like in our circle Harlock was memed on a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to to be honest, we just memed on it mostly because, let's be real, Leiji Matsumoto didn't have a large diversity of character designs. That was really the the uh, crux of of the meme, right? Um, I mean, yeah. you literally had two characters that looked 
fundamentally identical if you look at the character design sheet. Different colored hair at times, depending on what version it is, or question mark. Um, and that, of course, is uh, Almeraldus and... Oh, I feel bad. Who was the the freedom voice? I forgot Maya. the character's name. Maya. Maya. Yeah. Who looked literally identical. Um, and that's a theme with Leija Matsumoto. His female leads, many the many female leads he has, always have that very iconic look. Um, yeah. Which, it's not a bad look, but they it, they don't have too many differentiating features in my eye. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, I, well, I was trying characters. to, like, not knowing what, where this thing sat, and, and as Mike says, the verse. like, I was like, is Maya supposed to be, like, Emeraldus, and then like I see Emeraldus, and I'm like, okay, they're different people, I guess. And yeah, it was a lot of confusion about who was who until I kind of got situated in it. Yeah, so I think for Arcadia of My Youth, there was definitely an assumption made with it that the watcher viewer was familiar with at least original Harlock TV, because I feel like a lot of stuff was just kind of thrown in there and not really explained, which I'm okay with. I don't need to be spoon-fed every detail. But it quite literally, the movie, after the opening scene of whichever ancestor, you know, Harlock, and he closes the book, and it opens up to his ship crash-landing on Earth, which has been conquered by the... Oh, gosh, I'm so bad with these alien... Uh, the Illumidus? The Illumidus? Yeah. yeah. Illuminous. Which like the has green, the... nothing at all to do with original Harlock TV, by the way. Oh, thank you. Oh, really? yeah, yeah. I was going to ask. So that no. was completely novel for Arcadia, then. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I had the same. I, I had the same thing, kind of where like you start the movie, you get through the intro, the intro segment, then like all of a sudden Harlock's, you see his, you know, his existing crew get blown to hell, and he's coming back and surrendering. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm coming in towards the. It's just like I feel like I'm starting to watch Char's Counterattack, but I didn't see. <laughs> yeah, I got. Yeah. I totally got Char's Counterattack vibes. I was thinking, oh, should I have? Were we supposed to watch TV? Is this like a content continuation from TV? And then it. Yeah. It, then it takes this huge rewind, right, where he runs into uh, Tochiro, who he at that point had never met before, uh, in at least in that lifetime, and then there was the weird memory machine flashback. Arc oh, yeah, to, that goes back to to <laughs> World War Two, where Harlock the uh, Second as a pilot for the Nazis. Yeah, that was which, shocking. <laughs> yeah, well, I, when you think about the period. Oh um, yeah, no, totally. I like I, when I saw that, I was like, "Whoa!" Uh, yeah, they would never do that today. <laughs> no. um, but I was like, "But it's understandable from." You know, where it's especially in like Japanese history at the time, and we're and mm-hmm. also where Japan sat in that war. So, like, exactly. yeah, and totally when you look at it from the remember lens of that Japan. Leiji Matsumoto was actually alive during that war, very young, right, yeah. but Indeed. he was alive. Yeah, he was, he was very young. He was like between, uh, well, basically, he was, uh, he was born in 38, which was when, uh, Japan occupied China, if I believe, if I'm correct on oh. that. So he was, you know, he was, by the time that things went real bad, he was like six, maybe seven years old, uh, mm-hmm. which is yeah. certainly certainly old enough to have some memories of really bad times. And I, I was reading a thing on his... Uh, certainly more memories of the occupation that followed, I yeah. would say. Yeah, that's that's formative stuff there. Um, there was a... Uh, our, our good, our good, our good friend of the show, Mercury Falcon, did a uh, did a video on on Har- Harlock and uh, Arcadia and Matsumoto and stuff there. And um, uh, one of the things was that Matsumoto's father was a pilot for the Japanese Air Force before before the war, and then during the war he was uh, uh, some sort of somewhat senior, and so he was assigning people out uh, to their um, uh, to their state, he was assigning pilots out to their stations in the Pacific, and quite literally, like knowing that they weren't coming back. Um, and when the war ended, he felt his responsibility, so he went around to basically like every the family of every pilot that he sent out there that didn't come back and apologize. And a lot of them were, you know, upset and blamed him for it. And um, 
it's one of those things where basically like after world war ii is uh his father like they say like according to this like basically like never worked again and like couldn't fly not even like he was you know it seems like some folks tried to give him like hey can you take you know pilot this you know simple cargo you know cargo plane or whatever and he was like nope i can't do it um so you know that sort of thing would have a huge effect and knowing not not knowing that stuff going into this movie i was like yeah, this uh, this looks like a movie that's being done by someone who is hugely affected by the war and probably even more by the post-war occupation and then the political and social movements and fallouts and things in the following uh, years after that. Yeah, and I totally think that is a that's a kind of like a reasonable understanding of why he could you know he decided to have set have a set piece there and also it wasn't ever super detailed but harlock himself was more of a mercenary for hire like that's kind of his character family's kind of character like i feel like theme is that right mike i feel like that's kind of something to that effect definitely a loner, but has a very strong sense of obligation. Mm-hmm. That was specifically to say that I don't think he was necessarily a Nazi. Yeah, he wasn't like a Nazi, and you weren't necessarily a Nazi sympathizer if you were in, you know, the German Air Force in World War II. But mm-hmm. you had the swastika on your tail flag, either or on your tail, either way. Yeah. Oh, and that. Thank you for reminding me about that. So yeah. So th- th- it was very clearly meant to be World War Two, but obviously an alternate history because he had a very sophisticated piece of hardware as kind of what, what he called his eyes, I believe. It was kind of like a targeting uh, computer of some kind, right? That's that he had. a real gun sight. Leiji yeah. Matsumoto owns one, used really? it as a reference, like loaned his to the production staff to use as a reference. Yep, it was the uh-huh. the Revy C slash twelve D, which yeah was a uh, a major uh, what they call it, like reflexive yeah. gun sight used by the Luftwaffe. Yeah, gun sights really? in World War Two were had evolved into very sophisticated analog computers for you know having to be as compact as they did. Well, today I learned I'm not definitely not a a history buff, so that's fascinating to me. Okay, so maybe it's less less science fiction than I thought. So. Uh, now but... plugging it into a spaceship and having it just <laughs> work, <having> <laughs> and having one that okay. you've kept around for a, centuries, for, millennia, for over a thousand years is you know I mean, pretty I, good. Har- yeah. About I think twenty nine seventy seven something, yeah, yeah. twenty nine seventy seven A D. So quick, quick back of the napkin math. That's uh, mm, yeah, that, that's that's uh, that's over a thousand years. So. And the fact that the Impressive. the metal and all the pieces in there and everything are together, I think that's a statement to good to German exec, German engineering and execution there. Or is that more of a statement to extreme Japanese care of of uh, <laughs> artifacts? <laughs> yes, that was more impressive. That he had a thing that he could plug it into because it looked like it took just a regular <laughs> AC cord. Yeah, it certainly did. Um, but going back to that scene, so that was kind of where. You know, his the ancestors of Harlock and Tochiro kind of met. And... So, oh, both of the flashbacks, by the way, of Harlock's ancestors were essentially reworkings of one-shots that Matsumoto had done earlier in the 70s as the part of his Battlefield series, that some of which got released in the U.S. as the cockpit. Hmm. But it's just a fairly long series of mostly World War II-inspired one-shot, like, battle stories that Matsumoto did in the 70s. One of them also got brought over in the very early U.S. book by Fred Schott, Manga Manga, as one of the earliest English-translated manga, just as, you know, an example appearing in the end part of that book. Interesting. That's another trend I see with a lot of Harlock stuff is a lot of things that were originally kind of, you know, like you said, one shots or short stories that Matsumoto did, uh, kind of weave their way into the what we call what you're calling the Harlock verse, uh, which I which I did find kind of interesting that he wanted to try to weave this all in to some capacity, which 
I guess he just really, really wanted it to to appear in in the anim animated medium. Um, I f because isn't that kind of uh how Emeraldus eventually was weaved in? Because originally Emeraldus was just a manga series. Is that correct? I think so. I honestly forget exactly how Emeraldus got weaved in, though I know it already happened by the Galaxy Express three nine movie, which. I just rewatched with a mutual friend of ours the other weekend. Hmm. Was that be was that before or after Arcadia? Uh, it was before. I want to say it was seventy nine or eighty. Yeah, seventy eight, seventy nine is Queen Emeraldus. Hmm. That was there, there's a bunch of uh, yeah. This was a movie that I I, I too was kind of like all right. I'm not I'm not sure, and I had some of the same thoughts. But there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Like I was very I felt. The first time watching, I was like, "Oh, I I got myself in the middle of something." Yeah, <laughs> and then and then I kind of realized, well, I did, but it was also it's a very interesting uh, choice thematically, knowing that it literally you literally weren't at the end or the middle of like a long ongoing story, but they just decided that they're like, "No, we're gonna uh, cut this thing down to kind of like this bare." minimum of of stuff of yep like about 30 seconds not even 30 seconds of yep here's harlock trying to fight out in space and he loses and he goes back and like so you literally are dropped in the middle of this thing where earth has been occupied by this you know by this other race and there you don't even get like there's one of the things i think that for a lot of this movie does very well is there's very little exposition. Like there's no exposition mm -hmm. of the Illumdas and like how they took over and everything or the Tokargans and like, and in this stuff, they just like, Nope, you're just there. These people are there. You're there. You'll, you'll either figure it out or, or they'll, you know, arrest and kill you or whatever. Yeah, I agree. I, I learned, I first I was confused, but then I learned to appreciate it. Like, ah, okay. He's just, he, this was intentional. And it's very much a not ham-fisted way of introducing the world. It's all, enough is inferred through dialogue that you can piece it together if you're, you know, trying to think of it critically. And I thought, I thought that was that was a nice touch. Um, really, not a whole, which which is why certain scenes that were kind of incongruous to me because that the the way the world was set up was so elegantly not not overbearing and over the top. And then certain scenes to me were very. Uh, uh, very much the opposite. Like, like again, the aforementioned um, crossing the the sun sea, the sun sky sea area. One <laughs> scene was incredibly melodramatic and over the top. To, in my, in my well, opinion. apparently that mm -hmm. was another piece of the original one shot. Like the original one shot that both of the Stanley Witch bits are based off of was actually based off like flying World War Two refugees over the mountain in New Zealand. Or something to that effect, and did, did, did they jettison themselves to make the plane lighter or something? <laughs> something like that. Oh my gosh, wow. I was joking, but <laughs> jeez, that's really dark. Oh my goodness. I mean, having seen just also recently rewatched the um, three battlefield stories that were brought over as the the cockpit OVA in the early '90s, and I'm not sure who thought that was the right idea then, but. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Because they're all, like, pretty seriously bummer World War II stories. <laughs> so, yeah, it's right in line with... Gotcha. So maybe getting that context kind of puts it puts that specific scene. But still, I feel like the way it was integrated was very much, uh, yeah, very uh, kind of over the top and just, you know, I won't, I won't say ham-fisted, but like a very just... Is like all right. Well, all these characters we're kind of done doing anything, with them, so now they just are are going to jettison themselves into a sun. I'm just like, oh, okay. And well, leaving the door to the sun open behind yeah. them because I know, I was like, this you is know how space works. But maybe in twenty nine seventy seven, works here. <laughs> yeah, it's you know. It's, if you're gonna throw yourself in the sun, at least close the door behind yourself. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and they were nice enough to leave their helmets and boots and the beds nicely folded, you know. Yeah. They weren't. <laughs> Is it too much to ask? Just one more thing? Jeez. <laughs> I will say that, uh, like, I guess if I'm going to do a, a crappy job of critical analysis, like, it feels like there were a lot of ideas that he wanted to cram into this, and they all got put in regardless of whether or not like there was really space to do them justice 
So like there's so many little things like the the resistance and the the Tarkargan planet and like the last female and they're raced as a species and like or 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 the final duel at the end <laughs> or the final duel like yeah like my my fam my ancestors dreams the spaceship i built like all of these things together are like interesting and you could probably it would be better served by dwelling on some of these things a little bit more letting them be filled out a little bit more um by themselves they are they're somewhat interesting but you know we never really get to enjoy them that much to savor them I I feel like some were weaved into the overarching plot of Arcadia better than others, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It was one of those things too where I was also um on the on the plot thing of things that kinda worked and things didn't like I you know, I'm very familiar with seeing the character of Emeraldus and Harlock just as they are as as iconic to anime and certainly coming up as as we did as Bubblegum Crisis, as the uh, Night Sabers, like, and yeah. their mm-hmm. their suits and stuff, like they're just like Emeraldus and Harlock because they're really cool, iconic looking characters. And you're like, what the heck is this? Doesn't look like anything else. Um, but I was super disappointed by Emeraldus because all she did was she crashed a ship, got it repaired, served some wine, flew out for a ship, but. Even though she was flying out of ships, she got captured again, and then she flew off and left. She kind of acted as a a a rock for Maya for that period of time that Harlock was gone to uh, yeah. watch watch the Torkargan planet get obliterated. I feel like it was almost kind, like she was of. there just to be there, like. No. Yeah, yeah, she kind of just came and went, and, and again, it was inferred that like we were just supposed to know this character because she crash lands and, and Toshiro immediately just goes, Hey, I'm What's up? And I'm like, well, oh, okay, I guess that's, that's fine. Um, I, sure. I think I was just kind of like expecting her to kind of act in more of a badass manner. And maybe, maybe she, on the plot. and like, maybe she does in, I, I would assume that she is, uh, cool and does more stuff in other things and i just haven't seen them um but that, at least that was my kind of my odd my odd impression of of emeraldus from this mike i don't know if you have different thought or opinion you could probably delete all of her scenes and the movie would still be the same she did look badass though that, for sure that, for her sure costu- her costume in the cape i was just like chef's kiss i'm like oh man i am digging that design big thumbs up yeah yeah, I'm trying to think of anything where Emeraldus really, really lives up to her potential and failing, unfortunately. She's a great character, but she could really be used better, and I feel like that's kind of a shortcoming on Leiji Matsumoto's part. Hmm. Yeah, like, I was I was kind of expecting her, like, I remember when um, Tochiro introduces her, He's like, oh, hey, this is Emeralda. She's like a trader, and I was like, oh, cool. She's gonna like be this black market person who's gonna like get Harlock some inside stuff or whatever, you know, some things that she uniquely has access to, or give him uh, her ship or something. But like, none of that ever happens. Like, they don't ride her ship. She doesn't give them anything. Like, she's just kind of there, and I was disappointed by that. Yeah. Like, she's kind of a character who has a reputation of being someone you do not want to fuck with. You fuck with her at your peril, someone does, something bad happens, and then she goes away, usually. Mm-hmm. At least in crossovers with Galaxy Express, or... I mean, she is played up as very imposing in the Galaxy Express 3.9 movie, but, again, ultimately is more a vehicle than a character who totally does everything herself, I guess I would say. You mean a vehicle for what would you say? For putting other characters in contact with each other, for... Like a a conduit or something, kind of, almost? Yeah, like, usually she's the mutual point of contact for some character and another character who need like how some character ends up meeting with Harlock or 
how Harlock or other character ends up getting out of a jam, but usually she doesn't get a lot of screen time. So if that's the case, then she definitely serves that, does her role in that here quite well again, because she shows up, doesn't directly do much, but again, is kind of a contact and a conduit between people and has wine at the right time to get the <laughs> Harlock and the Tokargans to kind of help them get along for a little bit. And yeah, like she and Harlock are usually always kind of on the same team, but not working really closely together. So let's, let's focus on that scene where uh, they're the kind of the, the band is all there, right? So you have Harlock, Tochiro and em- Emerald is by her broken ship. Tochiro repaired it. And then Zol and all his Tokargan um, buddies show up and basically say, you know, we need to go and save our planet. So something like, I'm paraphrasing it horribly, but that's effectively what, what he's saying. He basically, the mm-hmm. Tokargans were taken, were, you know, conquered by the Illuminus. And now that we've served our purpose, they're just going to get rid of us because now they have Earth. And, you know, we need to go and, and, and stop this. And this is where, like, that, that was one of the first things I was like, well, this seemed a little bit herky-jerky. You're like, first they were going to take Emerald's ship, and then Tochiro just chimed in, like, actually, guys, I have this secret hidden ship that I've been, <laughs> I had this whole time and didn't mention at all once until this very moment. So why don't we use that instead? And then it went from, you know, Zol and everybody goes to, no, Zol, you got to stay here. And you know, keep be the be the ah, what, I can't bacteria. remember the rationale. Yeah, be oh, the yeah. bacteria. That's <laughs> bacteria. right to, to kill them from the inside. And we're gonna go. You know, we're gonna go with uh, with with Harlock and 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 save the Tokargan Empire. And it's, it's building up this whole like, yeah, we're gonna go and and do everything. And then of course we know everything catastrophically fails, and everybody literally isn't able to to do anything because that's not how life works which that that part i did kind of appreciate i'm like okay good so they didn't like you know deus ex machina a way to save an entire planet because that's really not how any of this really works yeah so that part but so it went from being really herky-jerky to being like oh okay at least you know that part's believable it sucked it's a bummer but it's believable and then the whole jumping out of the ship part again so that was a little bit you know and that goes back to you know trying to weave in a lot of elements not as well as others yeah I, I but, did appreciate that, like, things did not work out, basically. was. Um, I nice. mean, in reality, very few things worked out. I mean, let's go, I guess so let's fast forward to the duel. I, w- I want to talk about the duel at the end, <laughs> because, I mean, when I heard duel, I thought, like, it was going to be, like, they meet out somewhere with their guns, and they were going to have, like, a gunfight. Not, oh, we're going to do an old-timey, you know, 14th century armada pass by and just blow holes in each other's ships <laughs> and hope that one of us survives. That was not what I was expecting, was to say the Same. <laughs> I was just thinking, what two absolute uh, egomaniacs would not just take their ships, but their whole crews as well. It's not like they were piling these massive ships alone. They both had hundreds of crew members, probably. Maybe not hundreds, but the dozens. Well, I can think of another example from, I believe, 1982, actually, (laughs) involving William Shatner and Ricardo Montalban. (laughs) Oh. Doing the same thing. Was that Star Trek? Which one was that, three or four? Wrath of Khan, number Wrath, two. I would say oh, Wrath two. of Khan. Wrath of Khan. Oh, I, was, I thought that was. I thought Wrath of Khan was earlier in that, but I could be wrong. But uh, yeah, but, one of the, one of the things I thought that was kind of interesting on the dual thing was like, you know, <clears throat> this movie feels like Harlock, space pirate, and all this stuff. But like, it's not until the last like, literally like ten minutes of the movie that there's an actual like space battle. Which is crazy. Yeah, true. Didn't think of that. Yeah, the point. But the space battle, in my opinion, was not even... Mm, again, it emulated, like, you know, 14th century, like, armada fighting. Like, like where just jump massive ships that steered very poorly just kind of passed by and just lob ordinance at each other and see what sticks. Like, that's... It the felt sort really... of thing that Wrath of Khan made fun of as two-dimensional thinking. Hmm. <laughs> 
yeah, just it, it seems so like any of the there wasn't a lot of like combat in this movie, but what little there was, especially with Harlock, kind of demonstrated like a certain nimbleness and capability. Is kind of the you know the the feeling, especially uh, the scene right before the duel when uh, Harlock is getting on the ship and you know the 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 great leader whatever his name was. Uh, you know, says you know, well, I'll 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 find I'll name the place, and and then his lieutenant, who was kind of the jerk face of of the whole operation, you know, was pointing a gun at Harlock, and you know he's clearly shaking and uncertain, and this Harlock just you know clean one shot straight to the forehead, and you're like, oh yeah, that's his dirty Harry moment, awesome, and then you get to the duel, and it's just <laughs> really really not elegant, very not elegant at all. I'll say I, I I do love the like um scenes where captains are shouting ship directions at their like whatever the people at the controls oh guns to the starboard aft at 120 like that that stuff's great I love that sure and <laughs> I have a great love of Star Trek and you know I mean it, I I totally agree with those scenes but I just wasn't expecting that. Oh yeah. Nice. From that end of this it was just so uh, so messy and honestly like the entire time Harlock was doing his utmost to preserve human life and he clearly knew he was going to lose enough a, a, a few people in this. He's like as telling anybody, anybody who hates oppression, join me. What he didn't tell them was, I'm about to go do this duel with this dude in my ship and have him blow massive holes in the side of this, and you may die. But, you know, yeah, at least you're fighting for something, right? Like, he didn't really explain that part of it very well. So also, we I had, thought that was kind of messed up. Also, it's some very advanced training thing, because those people literally went from on the ship to within, like, I don't know, an hour? Like... Hey, you gotta yeah. you gotta move this gun, shoot the thing, aim it over there, and you're gonna be the ship's gonna be blown up around you. So, uh, <laughs> kudos to their training program. <laughs> Particularly since they're at least on the Arcadia in general, the like chain of command is basically uh, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it's there's there's Harlock, and then everybody else. Um, I mean, I guess he did have what Tochiro, um, the the long haired maiden without a mouth. What was her name? <laughs> oh yeah, Gosh, I'm so uh, bad with names. The um, alien. I, I, um, yeah, me, she was. Uh, Lamine. Is that right? Yeah, she was interesting. I I thought she. Yeah, she was cool. I wish they did more with her. Um. I feel but. like a lot of these characters, and I, I've, I've only watched like two episodes of the original Harlock TV after watching this, but um, that a lot of the characters that are in Arcadia are, you know, like different, slightly different versions of characters that are in that show. Right. And like there so, is a Zol from Tokarga who has a somewhat similar arc in the original TV, but is depicted very visually differently. Hmm. And occurs plot wise as different things are happening, but yeah. So I feel I feel like they're different. They're slightly different versions. So there's one of those things where it's like, well, you can just have this here, or you can know that uh, that this character does other cool stuff, and we just don't have time to show it all here. Um, okay, so I wasn't crazy. I looked it up, and Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan came out little less than two months before Arcadia of My Youth, June fourth versus end of July. So not enough time to influence it then. Yeah, but yeah, but it's interesting as far as things that were in the air, water, space of general right. sci-fi fandom that they surfaced at that time. In the zeitgeist. I still think it was kind of dumb and and yeah, completely yeah. pointless. If you're gonna they, have a duel with somebody, don't involve your crews. Just go outside yeah. with your guns and get be done with it. That's. And, and in all honesty, it's also, you know, that was one of the things like, oh, really, guys, this is how you're going to do it? Really? That, I mean, I know, 1982. I mean, it gave but... us a great scene in Irresponsible Captain Tyler later. Yeah, sure. I didn't, I thought it was particularly, the, the two things I really didn't like about that, other than the, like just passing by and shooting at each other full blast was the, uh, the ramming at the end. Where he's like, no, no, don't, don't shoot him. 
And I was like, oh, okay. I thought I figured like, oh, he can tell like he's gonna go do just a near pass, and he won't. They won't actually collide. It's like, no. Instead, we're just gonna ram through it. Like, how is that a better <laughs> result? I didn't understand that at all. Except then, did they even ram, or did he blow up his ship right before I, impact? I think he blew himself up right before impact. Yep. In order oh. to give them the magic charged particles, so lasers bend in space around oh. them. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah that right, was. For- that was. That MacGuffin was a little, a little, but really? It looked like, cool. Yeah. It looked but, really yeah. cool, but yeah, it, it was stupid. Yeah. And then, I will say, though, the boarding scene was cool, where they kind of had that, those, those little, lack of a better term, the little space tentacly things that, like, pierce the hull, and then you just see Harlock walk out, shoot a dude, and then just say, don't mess with us, and walks out. I was like, yeah. wow, that was a pretty G moment, and, uh... That's an efficient way to do a, a, a shipboarding, like just take out the the commanding officer and then leave everybody else alone and 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 go go about your merry way. Um, yeah, that, that was cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, as the ending, well, I was definitely pretty disappointed with as far as just kind of like the whole the the, the duel and the and the beam bending stuff. I was like, okay, this got a little little too much for me. But the, as a whole package, I was still like, hmm. I was glad I watched it. Now I have a good point of reference, you know, for for kind of how how Harlock things are paced. And then I went and looked to see, you know, oh, is this the... I, I, I had the foolish thought, oh, was this the last Harlock thing that came out? And I'm like, uh, oh, certainly not. <laughs> um, they, <laughs> they made something as recently as 2013, which I was completely oblivious to. Oh, so, wow. But it is one of those things where in kind of uh, just reading the, just a little wiki stuff there, there where they're going back to like pretty much this early 70s with Yamato coming out um, with various levels of Leiji and Matsumoto. There's kind of like the decade of, of Leiji was like roughly, roughly 72 to, to 82. And Arcadia mm-hmm. My Youth was kind of like the last real huge thing and i think as as mike said the ssx uh tv series that followed on for this didn't have great ratings and it was you know kind of partly because it was well probably a good show like kind of the zeitgeist had moved into the uh macross and gundam uh gundam gundam mania was going up there because the uh the uh 82 also was um that was in the third gun that was when the third Gundam movie uh came out in the theaters and then that started getting people all super super crazed there too. Um so it was kinda like the Zeke guys had kind of uh moved on from there a little bit. Um not sure if I want to call this the high water mark, but in some ways it is like the last big thing of that initial original Leiji Matsumoto anime era, I would say. Was, yeah. I feel like this was his end of ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, not not trying, you know, not apples to apples, but well, well, going um, going on to the ever thing. When I saw, because I've seen a little bit, but like seeing there really, like seeing the Harlock skull, and I think particularly on the Arcadia ship there, like it reminded me. And it, obviously, it's the reverse way in actual chronology, but by my chronology, it's the other way. It reminded me so much of. Uh, Zeruel, the angel from Eva, the super terrifying one that rips uh rips everyone apart and breaks into uh breaks into the main place and Shinji goes full full berserker. Mm-hmm. The like that one's face reminded just reminded me a whole felt so much like the the Harlock skull there, and that it was like this very kind of like soft skull but also like kind of scary and not not quite as terrifying as zero because that one is the most terrifying of all the angels um going back to eva because it's all i can do with my life <laughs> um, i mean it was the catalyst for this podcast yeah. but it was just one of those things that came to my mind and then uh another one that i thought in watching this movie i was like you know what i this was this was one where i like seeing i'm like I'm not sure exactly why, but I felt I was like, you know what? This was one where like you see all like the shots and the details and everything. And you're like, this was so made to be seen in a theater, which is For cool, sure. which is which is really cool. Um, 
Cause I think a lot of things people don't, I think a lot of the shots and all the way things were done and stuff were like, like even the scene that people are saying, you know, you guys don't like so much of the, uh, space Stanley mountain of fire. Like imagine like seeing like that whole thing, like on a, you know, giant screen and just this huge, oh, as a set piece, that scene was, would have been like, stellar. It was just oh, the so execution of it was fantastic yeah, yeah. in Blu-ray on a 65 inch TV, like five feet in I, front of I me. Bet. Let me tell you that. Oh, yeah. I would think it'd be a great last, like last shot would be amazing as like a wallpaper on my, uh, my super wide monitor. I would not be mad about that. Um, so that's one of those things I really appreciate. I, I felt like the whole thing was really kind of like thought out, um, with stuff that was done and there's just like there are so many crazy huge close-up pictures of like characters like i don't i can't think of another thing that has as many like basically just wide wide eye shots of wide eye and and face shots of characters and they're just drawn so well that oh from uh, this era definitely not a lot yeah i don't think i really had anything that was leading there just some random thoughts okay just just waiting (laughs) Um, but yeah, just going, going back just through kind of the, the Harlock filmography, I mean, yeah, the between, definitely between, um, Arcadia and I guess, I guess you can kind of think of this and Endless Orbit as kind of a single continuity, right? Because my understanding is Endless Orbit continues off of the Arcadia storyline. And that was a roughly full season, like a 20, what, 22 F TV series. Mm -hmm. And then... There was a pretty significant gap of anything Harlock rated back until again till we till the nineties, somewhere in the nineties. I'm not sure exactly when. Yeah, um, when you add new the Harlock OVA or the saga, right? The Harlock yeah. saga, and then I totally didn't know this. I remember the series. I didn't know realize it was tied in, but the 2002 series Gun Frontier was actually is actually part of the whole Harlock continuity as well. Yeah, though oh. so actually Gun Frontier was Harlock's first appearance in manga in the early 70s. Huh. Yeah, like Harlock and Tochiro appear in a western manga first. Yeah, it's like a buddy comedy is kind of what it's spun as. Yeah, and I gather the manga itself is really etchy, though I haven't read that. The <laughs> TV has a bit hmm. less of that, though you can still see hints of it. Hmm. Unfortunately, the TV came out in kind of the then late 90s, early 2000s batch of Matsumoto stuff that had some really terrible-looking animation, unfortunately. I mean, there's not just Matsumoto stuff. Anything from that era could be subjected to pretty poor digital Particularly animating. if it wasn't a successful high-budget property. Yeah, I mean, those were kind of the the early, the earliest of, of, you know, digital animation, you know, where you're, the techniques are still being <laughs> discovered, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of a good example of something digitally made that was a TV, not like an OVA or a movie. I mean, obviously, like, like there are certain things that were, you know, bigger budget that looked great that used it. In, in any case. Uh, and then, yeah, again, there was another gap for a while. And then looks like the, the last notable thing was, like, a, another movie that came out in around 2013, I want to say. Yeah, and around the 2010s at some point, I don't know the exact timeline, he also did a new kind of Harlock slash tying in a bunch of other characters from his multiverse manga with a new artist he had found Mm. as the main artist on it, but he gets the story credit. That was actually fairly interesting, though I don't know that I'll reread it again. (laughs) (laughs) So question, is is Interstellar 5555 part of the Matsumotoverse? That gets complicated. Because I want to say not really, because he more did it as a work for hire for Daft Punk. For, for anybody unfamiliar, but... this was a animated music video done for Daft Punk. Uh, it's really, really well animated. <laughs> I recommend anybody look it up. It's a shame it's basically locked in standard yeah, def forever because of when it came out. But it's uh it's a it's the whole album. Yep. I remember right. The whole the whole album discovery done as a animated story. 
set by a rock group in in space that gets kidnapped uh and then shenanigans happens and the music's great and i i say it's totally part of the matsumoto verse it's just in a different corner or a different oh, timeline yeah again. i mean i can't say it isn't but i will say it's less you know matsumoto prime for sure than... it's the alien race that knew how to party so they got left alone man <laughs> yeah I would, I would love this on blu-ray so bad oh Uh-oh. wait what hold on a blu-ray edition of the film was released in september That's 2011 it's just ago. an eh upscale from oh really yeah well don't worry i'm sure someone will put a a, a 4k 60 AI, frames a, a second ai smear anime i'm sure I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll look possibly great. go wrong. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go back to my DVD. Well, you know, actually, no, you know, at the very least, and an even on half, uh, half decent upscale is can be better than the DVD because at least you get the extra bit rate. Unless it's a dodgy upscale based on the DVD. Well, yeah, unless it's that, in which case, well, <laughs> I'll just keep my DVD. Well, that was actually kind of interesting. I know we're running out of time, but I guess the first U.S. release of uh, of Arcadia in My Youth was released as called Vengeance of the Space Pirate by Just for Kids. And I, I kind of read a little <laughs> thing on it. Wow. And it was actually, it, according to this person's kind of reading of it, it was actually one of the better of those, like, mid 80s dubbed only things like they actually kind of kept most people's names the same and didn't actually change them they did cut out a half hour which is like okay um but one of the things on on bad uh things was this this person has a write-up talking about when that you know vengeance of the space pirate was released on dvd by east west he's like but it literally looks like someone took a used copy, just a straight up VHS copy and just put it on the digital master. <laughs> and, but when they literally cut, cut out even a couple of the few first few seconds of the film, <laughs> they hit play a little bit. Yeah. They hit, they hit, they hit, too yep, late. hit play a little <laughs> bit too late. So, you know, the VHS a, a reasonable VHS copy that might actually be better than the DVD. Yeah, I can't imagine the one that Ben and I picked up in the big pile of studio video closeouts looked better, because I'm sure it had been played through, but... Alrighty. Uh, well, we're we're getting close to time, so as usual, uh, you know, uh, we'll do our closing thoughts. Uh, for me, I, I feel like I've pretty much said my entire piece. Overall, as much as I mocked certain parts, I think as a whole package, I really did enjoy Arcadia of My Youth. Uh, I think it punches above its time period, uh, minus certain references, which obviously aren't, you know, have not aged well. But otherwise, overall, the quality of it was great. Uh, I thought the overall pacing was good, especially for a two over two hour movie, long movie. And, uh, yeah, made me interested in watching more Harlock. So I, th- I think I'll leave it at that. Uh, what about you, Sam? Um, yeah, pretty similar. First time, it's pretty good. It held my attention the whole time, which is, you know, which is a good sign. Uh, and I definitely got the impression that I was stepping into the middle of something when I watched it. So I think I'm going to go back and watch some episodes of the original Harlock TV and uh, see how I feel about it after that. All right, agreed. Uh, and you, Dylan? Yeah, it was. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised, and I feel like it's much more of a. It's like more of like an art house film than I was expecting it to be in some ways. Particularly that opening segment, it really mm. just makes because it's very kind of different feel, and it goes on for for a good while. Um, so uh, it was definitely an interesting thing, and yeah, it got me interested in checking out some more. Harlock and Matsumoto stuff, so I'll, I'll take that as a nice. Way. All right, Mike, take us home. Yeah, it's a really visually striking movie. I absolutely love the aesthetics of it, even if sometimes it gets ahead of what it can actually do animation-wise, and that, and even if the pacing in some parts could maybe be a little better, and yeah, the plot gets a little questionable but 
overall, I still love it. <laughs> it just feels... I don't know. Leiji-verse stuff, I have complicated feelings about. I definitely love some things about it and won't overly defend parts that haven't aged well. Like It feels very much like a relic of a bygone era when men were real men, women were real women, and small <laughs> furry creatures from Alpha Centauri were real small furry creatures from Alpha Centauri. Yeah. Not that there are exactly any furry creatures in this movie. It's pretty bleak. If you want furry creatures, watch Lapita, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, Oh, oh okay. wait! I want to say one more thing. Uh, I I was thinking as I was the credits were rolling that there are enough interesting ideas in here that I would I think uh, I would love to see a remake um, written by um, Ishii and directed by Koike. <laughs> I think that would be phenomenal. That would, that that would be, be very equally bizarre. And oh my gosh, the it would probably take. 15 years for for quick it actually <laughs> animate that but it would be the best looking yeah, space yeah. anything probably ever made uh like i wouldn't disagree with that okay i can also strongly recommend the galaxy express 39 movie having recently rewatched it it's hard to argue with visuals by rintaro when he's doing well like Rintaro can be hit or miss, because sometimes you get X-1999, but <laughs> when Rintaro is doing good work, he's doing good work. All right, noted. Mm -hmm. So we have yet to firmly decide our next topic, so I'll abstain from mentioning anything. It'll be a surprise. Uh, so thank you for listening, and this is Eimo Kenzoku, signing off. Sarabha.